Hi, this is Brian Roig. And this is Cyril War. Welcome to the Shaping Spirit podcast. We're just a couple of California guys who collected a bunch of degrees traveling around the world studying spirituality and now bringing it right back here to you. And the topic of today's podcast is, drumroll please, navigating the spiritual highway. So Cyril, welcome. Thank you again for being here with me and sharing this experience with me. Let's talk about this, man. Let's talk about navigating the spiritual highway. So, you know, a lot of the times the question becomes, I want to start a spiritual path. I want to grow spiritually. Now what? So what's your advice, man? What, what, what do I do? What, what is somebody going to do? They want to become spiritual. They want to develop a sense of spirituality in their lives. What's your advice for them? Where do they start? Where do they go from there? Well, when, when we're starting on a spiritual path, regardless of the tradition we may follow, um, I think we all share a common sort of uh, 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 malaise, as they say in French, uh, a sense of not being fully satisfied, a sense of, you know, some sand in the sweet rice. Like we, we all, because otherwise, what's the motivation? What's the, what's the, 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 what's the motiv motivating factor to try to experience some deeper uh, sense of, of self, some deeper sense of reality um, if, if there's not, just something that's a little off in our, in our life, you know, if, mm -hmm. so, so I think we all share a common, um, sense of realism. I mean, even, you know, right. To, to quote Buddha, right. He talked about how life is suffering, right. So I think all, all spiritualists, again, regardless of their tradition, um, share this common, common impetus about, okay, there's, there's, there's some sort of, you know, something's off in my, in my life or in, in, in the life of man, of humanity. And, and, and we have to go deeper or we have to reconnect. We have to go inside or we have to go to heaven, whatever that I think has to be there. What do you think? Uh, I would agree with you. I think there's that question, right? When, when we get into okay, I, I, there's something more, right? There's that question of what is beyond this material existence? Because there's those of us who wake up and realize I'm a spiritual being having a material experience. And we've discussed this briefly in the other podcasts. And what does that really mean? This is like, what do I do? And I think that, like you were saying, that's going to be an individual choice for every person. And it's not that we're skating around the subject, but it's so individual and it, it has to be handled with care and with uh, a tremendous amount of respect. And I think one of the first things you can do, you know, tell me what you think about this is finding the right association. I think finding a group of people, maybe one, maybe two, maybe 10, that share a like-mindedness for inner growth and exploring spiritually and possibly interested in the same subject matter. What are your thoughts on that? Two things. Um, one, the thing about the spiritual being experiencing a material experience, that's essential. That's like, that's like the, the, the ABC, I think, of the spiritual seeker, right? Um, mm -hmm. 
coming to the point where we're convinced that consciousness or ourselves or our experience here is not restrained and not confined to only uh, matter, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to only, you know, interactions of neurons and protons in the brain and that, you know, for example, after death, it's all over. No, rather the conviction or at least the faith that um, I am something more than matter, right? Mm -hmm. That's our main theme in, our, in this podcast. I am more than matter. Consciousness is is not entirely material, right? So that's that's I'm you know echoing your 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 point. And then as far as the second point you raised, I think we'll talk about it a little bit later in our podcast. And that is the theme of because you spoke you spoke of the notion of fellowship. You didn't use that mm -hmm. word, Brian, but that's what you basically meant, right? Yes. And so fellowship implies or is, is closely related to the discussion between what's the difference between spirituality and religion. And a lot of, you know, scholars put the category, the, the, the idea or the concept of fellowship, or as you say, association within the category of religion. Right. And, and that's an important component. We'll, we'll touch upon it, but I think there, there has to be this balance between the two extremes that we, that, that people tend to take, you know, one extreme being I'm, I'm totally spiritual. I have nothing to do with religion. And the other extreme is, you know, the religious bigot who, who, you know, who says like, I don't know, no <laughs> one's going to heaven except people from my church. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I, I think it's important that uh, we all need to realize that when we're on this, you know, spiritual highway, guess what? It's not a straight line, everyone spirituality zigzags. It's like a roller coaster. You're going to have your ups and downs. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. It's very important to maintain a positive focus. Uh, and I think one of the key things about growing spiritually is to maintain a, a sense of humor. You have to realize, right? We all have to realize that we are all fallible. We all make mistakes and we have to really start with a, being in a place of, of compassion and desiring for goodness and really coming from, with a space of having a good heart, right? And a lot of times, you know, if you have children and you look at your children, let's say they try to make you breakfast in bed and they brought cereal with orange juice and then they thought they were giving you uh, coffee and they just put coffee grounds in a cup you know, the heart's in the right place and you find the charm and the humor and the love that is associated with the attempt. And I think that's also in our spiritual journey, we have to acknowledge that whatever we consider to be our um, vision of a higher power, we need to realize that that higher power, whether you not, you want to call it the universe, mother nature, God, or a special name has a sense of humor too. And that sense of humor comes from love because, you know, ultimately we are all products and children of that uh, unlimited universal divine, you know, energy or being. And we have to share humor together and we have to share in happiness because when we have situations that are negative in our life and we react negatively, it tends to make things worse, right? It doesn't make things better. 
But if we can attempt to see things from a more spiritual perspective, that material experiences are temporary, it enables us to go deeper within and see that we can transcend, right? Keyword here, transcend whatever material stressor is in front of us and go beyond that and go deeper within ourselves to create a deeper understanding of what is our motivation? Why are we here? And where are we going next? What are your thoughts? <clears throat> you made me think of a concept I came across just yesterday or the day before. The, uh, the concept of a spiritual narcissist <clears throat> being someone who takes himself or herself more seriously than he or she should and thinks, you know, a lot more about himself or herself as being something great and really deep spiritually than they actually are. What do you think? You know, <laughs> I like that. I, I've, I've actually never heard that, that phrase before. Obviously, you know, currently if you, if you go online, this whole concept of narcissism has kind of, in my opinion, blown out of proportion that all what do of you a sudden mean? Every, everybody's a narcissist. There's, videos and Instagrams and articles and books on everyone. Basically everybody, you know, apparently is a narcissist. Uh, and this whole concept now, which you're just bringing up spiritual narcissism, that I think is a very real thing. What people tend to say are like materialistically narcissists. There's a, people are just primarily, as we've talked about before, selfish and self-centered. Narcissism is a different thing, right? Narcissism is this deep rooted belief that you have a superiority over others, right? And that you're, you're in a sense flawless. And, you know, I agree with you. The spiritual narcissism is a problem. And that goes back to finding the right association, right? If we're in fellowship, how do we decide who do we want to be around? Spiritual narcissism is not the place we want to be, right? Because I think that's where you tend to fall down and that's where you tend to have more bad days than good. Don't you think? Someone sent me an article, a friend sent me an article of this uh, mega church leader in Mexico, right? Recent stuff and ugly. The guy was, you know, um, accused and sentenced. I mean, you know, the judge, um, whatever. I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? He was not sent. What comes, you know, the, 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 the actual verdict was against him. Or convicted. Uh, and finding him convicted, exactly, of... of um, abuse towards minors of a sexual nature, right? In the, within the, within the, the congregation of his church. And what's crazy is that, and you see that again and again, you know, in contemporary history, in, in you know, ancient myths from, from the East as well as from the West. Uh, so, you know, as far back as history goes to as, you know, as yesterday, you have people who pose as spiritual leaders who act clearly against you know, a universal order of morality. Um, and then what's crazy is that the, the perpetrator, the criminal, be he, for example, in, in this case, the, you know, a charismatic evangelical or somewhat evangelical, because they, of course, say, no, we're not really evangelical. We're something that different, um, you know, mega church pastor still saying, no, you know, I don't, you know, I, 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 it's not true or, you know, just like, no, 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 denying the facts. And then what's worse, I believe, in terms of this spiritual narcissism is that you have members of the congregation, members of the flock, members of the fellowship 
who in spite of all evidence in front of their own eyes of clear, you know, immoral behavior, still, you know, come up with like, no, well, this is, you know, whatever, this is a divine arrangement. It's a test from God. Like it was, you know, he did that to test our sincerity or, you know, just some crazy shit, you know, often at the, at the, at the expense of the, of the, of the um, victims. And, And it's like, hello, like, you know, and so not only is the pseudo spiritual leader full of himself and, and therefore a complete spiritual narcissist, but you can also have a member of a congregation or of a fellowship who, who falls prey to this type of narcissism because it's kind of like extend, okay, the, if my leader's bad, then that means I'm bad. So my leader must be great in all circumstances because actually it means I'm great too. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, uh, that makes sense. That kind of gets into... Uh, the question I was going to ask you, your opinion on finding good guidance versus fraud. Because oh, from what, what you're saying, what do you have to say? A, what do you have to say a, about that? Well, there's a lot of fraud out there, right? And I think we can break it down into several categories. But I think one thing people need to really focus on is just because you are developing a spiritual path doesn't mean you uh, hand over your critical thinking skills to someone else. Okay. That's just something that we really need to be focused on. Positive focus. Keep your critical thinking skills intact. So I'll explain to you, Cyril, what what, what I kind of mean by that. Uh, Oftentimes we've seen throughout history, various cults of personality, right? Like the Living Color song, Cult of Personality. (laughs) Great song if you guys haven't heard it. Living Color was a rock band in the 80s. They had a song called Cult of Personality, uh, which is a great song. Unfortunately, we can't play it because, you know, we'd get dinged for it. Um, But I encourage everybody to look it up, listen to it. Super cool song, great lyrics. Anyways, the concept is people become enamored with a particular leader. And like you were saying, because we were talking about before that everyone is fallible, understand that regardless of how wonderful or mystical you think that guide is, they could have skeletons in their closet. They could have their own mistakes. They could have their own issues. That's a great song by Stevie Wonder. This is going to turn into a music podcast at some point. We're in the wrong category. We're in society and culture, but actually we should be in music. I'm kidding. Yeah, we'll have to do another podcast just on music. But I I think, uh, you know, one of the things that people need to use their critical thinking skills for is, is the guide looking for money? And how much does it cost for you to get their spiritual e-ticket, right? If somebody's saying, hey, for X, Y, Z dollars, you too can become spiritual, please run away. Spirituality is free, folks. Your spiritual life, you should be surrounded by people who care for you and love you and support you on your journey and not asking for a handout. Remember that story, if I may interrupt you, that story that we find in one of the great stories of the East of uh, a student, right, who, who is taught by his teacher some secret incantation, right, some sacred sound, some sacred prayer that's supposed to be pronounced out loud. 
And so, mm. and, but the condition is the teacher tells the student, listen, I'm, I'm sharing with you <clears throat> this sacred sound, the sacred incantation, and it'll give you complete, it'll give you salvation. It'll give you salvation. But you have to, you know that story, right? Maybe? Yeah. Yes. And you, you have to keep it confidential. You can't share this with anyone. And so the student is like, okay. And then the first thing he does, he goes to the, to the, the, to the marketplace, you know, in the center of, of town and then whatever, climbs on a, on, a, on, a, on a chair or something and says, everybody, come here, come here, come here, listen, listen to this, right? And then he, he mm. pronounces, he, he, out loud, he speaks that, that, that sacred sound, that prayer, that incantation. And he tells everybody, you, you know, you'll get salvation if you chant this, this, this sound or this prayer. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. And then he goes back to his teacher's school and the teacher hears that his student did that. And the teacher's like, dude, <laughs> like I gave you an instruction, like not to share this with anyone. And the first thing you do is you share it with everybody. And the teach and the student's like, yeah, I know. Listen, you know, if I'm, if I'm supposed to go to hell for, for, you know, disobeying your, your instruction, so be it, but I wanted to, because I don't want to be the only one having salvation, getting salvation. And so therefore, whatever price I have to pay, you know, for, for disclosing this to the world, I'm willing to pay it, but I want my brothers and sisters to also get salvation. And why am I telling that story? Because it touches, I think, with what you said, namely that spirituality is free. And we do have very many examples in all, you know, again, all traditions on this planet where a spiritualist, like you exactly said, will charge, you know, a spiritual leader will charge some serious bucks, like serious bucks, not just like, you know, enough to whatever, pay for the, for the economy class business, you know, uh, I'm sorry, economy class plane, <laughs> you know, but, you know, for the private jet and, you know, this is special and that, like you say, like run away because like you said, spirituality and, and, and spiritual knowledge and even a spiritual practice, like my niece, I'll just finish with this, Brian, my niece in Paris, like the other day she was telling me, yeah, you know, I met this guy who's teaching, what did she call it? Transcendental meditation or something like that, right? And, and, and it's only like, whatever, 500 euros. And I was like, darling, like, no, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> jeez. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that they say, you know, if you give us this amount of money, then that shows us that you really have faith and this is how you're going to be saved or this is how you're going to develop your spiritual path by how much money you give us, right? Or you have these other thieves that say, well, I'm going to share with you this secret knowledge and you're going to have to write me a check so I can share with you the secret knowledge, but don't worry, you're going to make millions of dollars after what I share with you in this special secret book. And to me, I was flabbergasted when I've seen this stuff like this, because ultimately developing your spirituality has nothing to do with developing your personal finances. <laughs> if, if you want to do that, you know, please go go talk to an accountant or, or a, a, some type of CPA or somebody who's a, a, a chartered, uh, you know, financial analyst to help you with your finances. Not some guy who can't, 
claims he came out of the desert and, you know, started healing people with cancer and found a magic book. And now all of a sudden you're going to make millions if you hand him over your life savings. Please don't do that. You know, there are so many people that you can find that have a good heart that will genuinely care about your spiritual growth that aren't going to ask you to hand over your wallet and they're not going to ask you to uh, sign a contract with them so that you guys can make millions together, please run away when you hear stuff like that because there are people that care. And look here at the Shaping Spirit podcast, we're here to help you guys. If you have a question, you know, we have the email we that we hand over to you guys at the end of the podcast. Email us. We're not going to charge you money to talk about your spiritual life or how to develop yourself. So you want to have a personal conversation with us. It's, it's free, you know, that true spiritual intention should come from the heart and come from a place of love, not from a place of greed or lust or envy. Wouldn't you say? Yes. If we are by definition, spiritual beings, a hundred percent spiritual beings inside physical bodies, then it, it follows logically that when we talk about being spiritual, we're talking about things and emotions and states of consciousness that relate specifically to consciousness, to the soul, to use, you know, a Judeo-Christian term, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think you made a great point when you said that, you know, spirituality, real spirituality is not about making more money. It's not about things related to the body. Now, we're not saying that we shouldn't try to make money. On the, no, not at all. We should try our best to be the best in this world also, you know, the richest possible without going crazy, of course, you know, the best husband, the best student possible, the best, whatever, the best, you know, jujitsu teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we have to understand that because a lot of, it's true, isn't it? A lot of people confuse spirituality with, with, with stuff that relate to, to the body, to the frame of consciousness, which is the body. And, and, and I think that stems from a misunderstanding, a root misunderstanding that I'm not this body or no, rather the misunderstanding is that I am this body. So it's like when, when you mm -hmm. think you're your body, then therefore, what does it mean to be spiritual, right? But when you, from the very beginning, you know, establish the premise that, hey, I'm a spiritual being, I'm a, I'm a unit of consciousness inside a physical body, then it's a lot easier to distinguish what's actually spiritual and what's, you know, noble, nice, pious, uh, positive, necessary, you name it, but still material. Right. And I, absolutely. To that point, I think it's very key that we understand and acknowledge that all of our material interactions, everything we interact with in the material world is temporary if we are spiritual beings, meaning we are eternal units of consciousness, of bliss, of joy, okay? Everything that we are engaging in, in the material world, right, is temporary. It has material side effects, like medications, right? There's side effects to everything. Listen to any of these commercials these days. Oh my God. <laughs> the side effect list is longer than the, you know, the benefits list of the, the these medications. Uh, you and then know, they like, like scroll them down super fast. Like, right. 
test this <laughs> new Viagra, you know, and then like at light speed, this medication may cause this, may cause that, and then check your doctor before taking, right? At yeah. the very end. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that we have to realize that when we are developing connections with other people, and maybe this is a good time to point out how do we develop fellowship and a good association, is look at people and determine whether or not you can grow with them spiritually. It doesn't mean you're on the, the same trajectory or path. And this is something I did want to bring up. We have to respect each other's journeys. Everybody has a different journey. And I've brought this up before. Imagine this infinitely large sequoia tree that we're all standing around holding hands. Everyone's perspective is different because of the angle of the tree at which you are looking forward, up, sideways, every angle is different. So every unit of consciousness that you encounter is going to have a different perspective. That being said, as you, if you're trying, if you're a squirrel trying to climb that tree, guess what? Not every squirrel's going to the same location. Okay. Everybody has their place on the tree. So just because you have a desire for a certain style or flavor, and that's what kind of gets into this, uh, kind of quotient of religion versus spirituality, just because your flavor of religion is different from somebody else's. Don't number one, expect the other person to have the same experience as you because spirituality is experiential and it's individual. It's an individual experience. So you can share with somebody else, but respect your lane, respect others lanes where they're driving on the highway that spiritual highway. So regardless of what somebody else's religion is, it doesn't matter where they're going. If it's comfortable for them, if that's the capacity that they are at, bless them on their journey and get them excited about the path that they are on, provided it's not doing harm to others. Okay. And allow that person that you're interacting with to grow spiritually and feed each other spiritually nuggets of inspiration and compassion, right? That's what's important in finding good association and proper fellowship. Wouldn't you agree with that? Let me go back to, yes. And let me go back to one thing that you, we were both on the same exact point of life is, you know, material life is temporary, right? It's, it's ephemeral, transient. Okay. So to play the devil's advocate or to raise a, an issue that I deal with constantly, the knee-jerk reaction, or a very possible, very predictable knee-jerk reaction from someone who's on the, you know, on the on the path of spirituality, who's starting to navigate, you know, the spiritual highway, is okay. Okay, I'm not matter. I'm spirit, right? And therefore, everything in this world is 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 illusion, or it's temporary for sure. It comes and goes. It has no substance. Therefore, our relationships down here also are all ephemeral, are all, you know, temporary. <clears throat> There's even a passage, actually, I'm not at all a, you know, a, a scholar of, the, of the, the, the New Testament or the Old Testament, but I know there's a, there's a passage, I don't know, I wouldn't be able to quote it for you, but it's certainly there in the New Testament where Paul, I think, is writing a letter to some new converts or some new, you know, members of the, of the Jesus movement. And he tells them, like, a new couple, he's like, hey, guys, don't get married. Because like, you know, the apocalypse or Armageddon's just, you know, it's just in three and a half days. 
right? So what's the, <laughs> so the knee jerk reaction is like, okay, since the world is temporary, whether it's going to, you know, it, it's temporary because Armageddon, you know, just in two days or whether it's just by the sheer fact that this body we're in is not going to last more than 80 or hundred years for sure. The knee jerk reaction is, okay, well, therefore let's renounce the world. Therefore, I'm going to quit my job. I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to get into a relationship. I'm not going to make efforts to, you know, stay healthy, right? You, you renounce the world because the world is profane. The world is temporary. Mm-hmm. What's, the use, what's the use in investing in matter? So what do you say to that as a counter? Right. So it, that's an excellent Because that's unhealthy. Question. That can be dangerous, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. False renunciation is, you know, it's incredibly dangerous. I think Can the, you say that whole, term again? False renunciation is incredibly dangerous. So <laughs> what we need to do is look at everything around us materially and use it as tools to engage in spiritual upliftment and doing good for others and in giving. So nothing needs to be renounced provided it is used as a tool for goodness and love. And so in that sense, everything should looked at, be looked at in a material perspective as a gift from, if you want to say God or the, you know, the, your higher source, that all of these things are gifts, are tools to be used in service, service to others, service to uh, the higher power and developing yourself, right? Not taking away, not for selfishness, not for this false sense of, uh, accumulation and greed and lust, but the opposite, use it as tools and as vehicles for love and for guidance and support of others to uplift the spirit, uplift every person you can possibly touch and motivate them to do better and to pass it on. You, we've all heard this saying, pay it forward. Well, what does pay it forward really mean? It's not take $5 out of your pocket and buy a latte for the next person at Starbucks. It's about when somebody was good to you and showed you compassion, you show compassion to the next person and develop from there and teach others to be compassionate and loving and to grow spiritually. And if you can just help one person understand, hey, you are not your body. You are not matter, but you matter. You're a unit of consciousness and we can all grow from within. That's a gift. And you can use any tool you want. The internet, we're using the internet right now to do this. It doesn't matter. You use your car to drive around and help someone. There's so many tools that we have that are gifts so that we can engage in positive, loving service, right? Loving service is the key. Thoughts? Let's, let's speak about spirituality and religion. Okay. You just mentioned service, right? Yeah. Service implies the other. It's hard to, you know, do service or render service to like, I don't know, a cloud, right? So yes. I've always sort of been fascinated by this, the discussion about how to define spirituality and religion. Let me share with you what, I, 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 what I've sort of gathered is the common description of both, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for a new, a, a new spiritualist to to wrap his or her head around, you know, because as I said, I think, I think there's two pitfalls at two, ex, at two extremes of, of, uh, of an axis. 
spirituality is, I think we could safely say is an internal state of consciousness in relationships, in relationship to the divine, you know, up in heaven or in the heart of everyone or all uh, sort of an all pervading conscious, whatever, you know, the divine, the, the, the God or regardless or, you know, completely transcending, completely regard, uh, irrelevant to or regardless of considerations of, you know, worldly uh, religious institutions, you know, ecclesiastical hierarchies, you know, official lists of priests, you know, clergy, uh, etched in stone rituals, Right. Right. And religion, yeah, falls into that latter thing that I just described. Considerations of like sort of worldly, how do you know how people like, you know, fellowships, we could say sometimes are, can be seen either way, either from a spiritual angle or from a material angle, like, you know, members of this, you know, card holding members of this particular synagogue or this particular temple or this particular mosque or this particular center, um, and, you know, we got to do this this way and that way because it's tradition and, you know, so, sort of things that are more anchored in matter in mm -hmm. relationship to the divine, but still anchored in matter, right? And yeah. honestly, do you agree that we need both? That a, a, a spiritualist on the spiritual journey needs a little bit of both? So you, you raise a very interesting point. And I like to answer that in two ways because it folds into another question of why do I need a guide? Why would I need a spiritual guide? So I, I'm going to, I'm going to put it in, in two different uh, answers. Number one. Um, yeah. The little bit of both is the sense that we are all products of our environment and culture. And imagine you're making your favorite dish, right? Your favorite lunch, your favorite dinner, and you're all cutting up the same vegetables, yet you don't use any spices. You're just going to cut up the vegetables, put it in a pot, right? And then you're like, well, here's lunch, here's dinner. This is my fabulous recipe. Most people will be like, eh, it's kind of bland, right? There's nothing really to it. To me, the religion aspect is kind of like the spices in the, your vegetable stew, right? It kind of gives shape and flavor to your spirituality because our spirituality is our acknowledgement of our unique consciousness and our unique existence and our non-material existence, our non-temporariness, our eternality. That's our spirituality. And then where a touch of religion would come in is what spices do you want to add to spirituality? Otherwise spirituality can be incredibly vague, right? It can be incredibly vague where it's just like, Oh, I'm spiritual, but there's no framework. There's no foundation behind your meal. There's no spices. And I, I like spices. I, I, you know, I, I like spicy food. I'm Cuban. I like heat, baby. I like it spicy. And, you know, when, when I, when I have a meal, like, you know, I like the fire and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, somebody else may want something a little bit different. Maybe they want something creamier than I like, or maybe they want something soupier, or maybe they want something more dry and all of that's okay, but you got to find your spices. 
And I, so I think that's where the foundation of a particular religious tradition comes in, where it shapes your spirituality, where it gives you that flavor. It gives you those spices where you're like, yeah, you know, I like a little bit of this. I like a little bit of that. You know, what Sufism, Sufism, Sufis are like a combination of, you know, uh, Hinduism and Islam. And that's got its unique flavor. You have the, the Druze of Israel, that Druze, which is like Judaism and Islam combined. You know, you have this type of Buddhism or this type of Hinduism or this, you know, flavor of Christianity. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know, but there's that exploration where it's like, okay, what resonates with me, right? There has to be a resonance and maybe it's not really much of anything. Maybe it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You got to have, you know, uh, uh, be willing to have a spicy cupboard and be, be willing and open-minded enough to kind of throw some things in there and see what resonates with you. Because there's a lot that I think there's a commonality, you know, you can see that there's a large part of the Western world follows, you know, a couple of religious traditions. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the numbers these days, but if you kind of add up Christianity and Islam together, that's quite a few billion people, right? And then you add up Hinduism and, and Buddhism, that's probably another about a billion people. So you're looking at a large percentage of, of the population that already have a particular religious flavor. It doesn't mean they want to adhere to, like you were saying, all these traditions and all this framework and all this uh, regulation, right? But that gives the flavor to their spirituality. And then that kind of gets into the next section that, that I wanted to touch on is like, people have said to me, well, why would I need a guide? Why can't I just like engage in my spirituality and like, commune with the divine on my own. And here's a very simple answer. And I hope this will resonate with people. You wear eyeglasses, not everybody, but there's a lot of people that wear eyeglasses. What are the eyeglasses for? The eyeglasses are a tool to see clearly. So your spiritual guide is like your eyeglasses for the spiritual world. And they are going to help you see clearly and find your path and your footing on that spiritual highway. Okay. And again, we must use discernment and critical thinking to know that we're not being hoodwinked by some charlatan looking for money, right? Or looking, as you were saying before, somebody, you know, and this happens all over the world, okay? Abusing others, abusing children, which to me is the most demonic thing you can do. Uh, so, you know, we have to be careful in terms of how we choose our guide and understand, like you were saying, Cyril, you're hundred percent correct. There is a balance. There's a difference between spirituality and religion, right? There's a balance and we have to acknowledge like, Hey, maybe we need a little bit of shape. We need a little bit of seasoning to our dish to make it flavorful for us to enjoy thoughts. Yeah. That shape that you just mentioned is in my opinion, or a, a very important component of that shape is precisely this notion of fellowship of other humans with whom um, you experience spirituality. There's this scholar of religion, Emil Durkheim, Durkheim. Um, he was an atheist actually, you know, reductionist who reduced the whole religious or spiritual phenomena to just sociology, you know, as a lot mm -hmm. of these scholars of religion do, you know, it's 
religion or spirituality is everything but an actual experience of higher consciousness, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? You get yeah. tired of, of you know, they make astute, astute observations. But anyway, so he did make one astute observation, that at least that I agree with. Durkheim talked about um, uh, an effervescence, an effervescence. You know whatever, like you, you, you pour some Coca-Cola in your glass, you get some effervescence, the bubbles. Mm -hmm. So there's this social effervescence that takes place, according to him, when humans get together and do religion or try to be spiritual together using those spices that you talked about, using those sort of more material anchored in matter, whether they be objects of ritual or, or prayer books or, you know, musical instruments or, you know, architectural structures in which they congregate and so on. And, you know, I would agree with it. I would just say that that effervescence is actually a spiritual product. It's a, it's a spiritual result, right? And so, if I was to give advice to somebody, I would say, look, you know, yes, great. You're, you're on your journey, on your spiritual journey. You're moving forward. Don't try to do it too much on, on, on a sort of a solo, solo program, like exclusively solo, right? Touching on mm -hmm. what you said too, because as, you know, scholars of religions have shown and as practitioners of spiritual paths in all walks of life would testify to, having that fellowship, having that, you know, surrounding of people who, who think alike or who may have the same values or who may have the same practice, right? Makes that practice and that experience that we're all looking for a lot more easily attainable. Yeah. Basically. Religion as a crutch, if we see fellowship, if we see congregation, if we see, you know, buildings into which people congregate. And of course, then there's the issue of, you know, a, uh, the law and, you know, and not being too loud for the neighbors and how many people can fit in the building and, you know, all the, you know, and then and, and, and there's social interaction, who's getting married with who. And, and a lot of people are like, no, I don't want any of that. I just want to be spiritual. But still that thing helps. It can be seen as a crutch for the obvious, which is the spiritual, the essential. What do you think? I, I agree. I, you know, I think we definitely want to avoid the crutch on both directions, right? Because then we're just hobbling around. <laughs> one crutch on one leg, one crutch on the other leg. So I, I think, you know, to your point, we have to find people that motivate us, keep us uplifted, and we don't want something to the point where we're over-regulated, Right. It, yeah. it, it, it's, it's the patience game and we got, we got to play the long game. Okay. And it's funny, you know, because just to make the joke, we're kind of like making this a, a musical podcast, which I love, but you know, one of my, my favorite bands in the world is Judas Priest and thank God they finally got into the rock and roll hall of fame. And there's a song, one of my favorite songs from them is called heading out to the highway. And since this is, you know, we're talking about navigating the spiritual highway, I, I just want to quote a couple of the lyrics from the chorus because it's so humorous, but it pertains to this podcast. He says, so we're heading out to the highway. I got nothing to lose at all. Going to do it my way. Take a chance before I fall. And to me, what that means is we got to get out there. We got to get motivated. We got to get, if we can get with the right people, 
right? And remember guys, enthusiasm is contagious. So take it from Judas Priest, take it from Rob Halford. We're going to head out to the highway. We've got nothing to lose. Remember, you don't lose any investment, any effort you put into the spiritual bank account, unlike a material bank account where you can lose money at any time. With the spiritual bank account, you can never go negative. Anything you build, it will constantly grow. And so when we have that opportunity to grow, let's head out to the highway We've got nothing to lose by trying, by getting out there, by having fun. You're going to do it your way. Get good guidance. Have good association. Have fun with it. Have a sense of humor. Take a chance. Take a chance on yourself, right? And find your circle. Find your circle of friends, your spiritual friends. And remember, it doesn't have to be the same religion as you. It doesn't have to be the same spices because guess what? I love eating Ethiopian food. I love my Cuban food. Sometimes I eat Indian food. I eat all kinds of stuff. I love Vietnamese food, right? I don't preclude myself from eating the dishes that I like. Just as when you have your spiritual friends, if they are a different flavor than you, doesn't mean you can't grow spiritually together because you're on an individual journey. And with that, Cyril, I mean, I have a question. Do you eat insects? Yeah, I do not. Oh God. What are you talking about? No, (laughs) I I, I am a vegan guys. I'm a vegan. I do not eat insects. I don't eat any animals. I have a very clean life. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I drink primarily water and no dairy. I'm allergic to dairy. So no insects either. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that. I think we, uh, we, we, we touched on important points and, um, and I think, you know, we summarized it pretty well. Like, uh, I mean, not to tap ourselves on the shoulder too much, but still, I think, uh, I think we, we had a good one today. We, 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 we really covered important points. And, and echoing your, your words, we should be enthusiastic to just go all out. And because uh, we only live once, as they say, or time is definitely ticking. And so if it's a fact that, like you said, our, our spiritual... Um, our spiritual, well, to use an analogy of a plant, right, the, or a mm-hmm. creeper. If our if our if our spiritual creeper um, grows, then we might as well really water it. We really might as well protect it and and and, and care for it, so that our, our 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 spiritual consciousness can become stronger and stronger and purer and purer. And, and as you say, can then we can we can emanate more and more love and compassion um, to towards others and towards the world. Absolutely. Invest in that spiritual bank account, folks, because it only grows from here. Remember that. It only grows from here. If you have any questions or comments or, or, or yeah, questions especially, we can be reached at um, Shaping, Spirit, Shaping Podcast Spirit Podcast at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Yeah. And um, as we always say, remember, remember you are or we are not matter, but we We matter matter <laughs> absolutely so thank you all so much for joining us shaping spirit podcast at gmail.com hit us with those questions comments jokes advice whatever we like it all thank you cyril this was awesome well i'll see each and other next week that's right thank you so much Bye.